The verdict is in, and you are listening to Legally Blondish. If you want the world to hear your voice, simply log on to podcasters.spotify.com. Also, if you are enjoying the show, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple, Spotify, and any other podcasting platform that you listen to. And as always, stay tuned for more interviews and hot topic reviews. Welcome back to Legally Blondish. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about interview prep. And we really want to focus on some skills and some uh, ways that you can really just get into it and just how to do it in general. A lot of us are having our first really serious interviews while in law school, whether it's OCI, um, which is on-campus interviewing, or if it's just through NCLIP, like in our state, we do NCLIP and that's kind of a similar process. Um, So all of this collectively is where we find ourselves really stumbling, honestly, because a lot of us have never done a serious interview. You know, maybe you've interviewed at a local restaurant and different things like that, but you've never interviewed with a lawyer who has been practicing and has his own firm for, you know, the past 20 plus years. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we have a special guest today. My husband (laughs) will help us talk about this because he helped me um, last year when I was doing my summer interview for an internship, which I did end up getting, and I interviewed at one place and got it. Um, And he helped me really prepare, and he had some really great tips. So uh, as someone, too, who has interviewed a lot of important places, I think it's important to get uh, some of his perspective as well. So this is not just for the law student. This can help you in all jobs, um, all aspects of your life, just having kind of the confidence to go into the interview and uh, honestly, just do really well. So here we go. So the first thing that we kind of want to touch base on right now is what should you do to really prepare yourself? And so I think we should just really go through a couple of things that I have, which I think you have to know the company. Um, know the firm, know the company, know the place you're getting yourself into, essentially. You want to go on their website. You want to look at who owns it. You want to look at maybe a couple of the employees that are currently there. You want to see if you relate to them in any way. Like maybe they like the same baseball team as you and maybe you could bring that up and it'll make you relatable. It'll make you feel a little bit more comfortable if you're talking about something that they like and you like then you find some common ground there and it kind of pulls the attention away from really just the kind of hard aspects of the serious conversations. So that's something that I think is super important. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that there are a lot of things that you can focus on. And first, actually, let me just say thank you for finally having me on the show. <laughs> Very excited, legally blondish. I'm happy to be here. Um, Look, I've done so many interviews, and I, and I don't even think I told you this, but I've actually interviewed someone in college when I was a program manager. I, it, it was a job that worked for the school itself, and I had to interview the person who was going to replace me as I graduated, and I drilled these guys with questions, <laughs> but they did a very good job. Um, so I, I just come with uh, both of those aspects of the interviewing process. Mm. And I think the biggest thing is confidence. Right. They don't 
want you to know how to do the job yet, especially coming out of school. They understand that you're coming out with schooling, but they want to see that you're willing and able, should the time come, to learn learn more and do more. So, I mean, I I had a few things that I that really really helped me land my first job out of school, and yeah, that was practice. I mean. You have to practice with another human being. Right. Not just against a wall, not just with your dog or in the mirror or something like that. But you have to get that person to ask you questions and start with the basic questions. Because even if you don't get asked these questions, if you don't have the answers in your back pocket, eventually it will come up. Where someone will ask you about your strengths and weaknesses. Someone will ask you where you see yourself in five and ten years. Someone will ask you why you want this job or or to work for this company. Exactly. And that's something big that you need to focus on. What were some of the questions that you got asked in that last interview? Do you remember? Um, Well, I just had the most recent interview Mm -hmm. with, uh, okay. Um, So they kind of just asked me, like, if I could enter the sphere. So I I currently am working in, in politics. And so if I could enter the sphere, kind of what job would I take? Mm. Like if there was no limits. And I thought that was interesting because then it makes you think like beyond just that company and really seeing the value in that company. Yeah, and that's exactly kind of what I'm saying when I'm when I use the term confidence. If you don't have a foundation of so say you've worked your whole life, you know, to become a lawyer. And to do this, but you're not a lawyer yet, so you can find yourself kind of lacking confidence. But that's not exactly what they're expecting out of you. They're not expecting mm-hmm. out of you to be a lawyer. They're just expecting you to be organized, to be detail oriented, and to be focused, more or less, right? So you take all of the experiences that you have and sort of neatly organize them into questions and answers. Mm-hmm. And this is why I say you have to do the practice in person. Because these questions are going to come up and you have so many great experiences that you would love to share with the interviewer to let them know who you are and why you felt confident enough to apply and to come for this job. Right. And you can share that information with them. They'll see that you, ha- that you took the time that you took care. So you internally felt confident about the things that you were saying. You weren't like stumbling out. You know, you'll get curveballs. You can't really do anything about that. But when they look at them and like this woman or this man has their head on their shoulders, that's going to be attractive. Again, they're not expecting to have all the answers, but they are expecting you to have some confidence in who you are. Mm. And you know what else I would say? I would say in at the very end, and this is always a, a tough one and maybe we're jumping around a little bit here, but they're always say, do you have any questions for us? It always comes up. And I think you always have to ask at least one question. Even if they answered all of your questions, the basics of the salary, the time, you know, is there any travel, the, the basics of the, of the job, you have to ask something that shows that you did your research. Perfect example was I interviewed my first job out of undergrad as a paralegal, and I asked the, the chief legal officer who also sat on the board of the company. I said, what is it like having a new board member to work with? And this is something that I come to find out that she was working with every day. And she was so impressed by that question because it showed that they had a, that I found out that they recently acquired a new company 
that the CEO of that company came onto the board of what became our company mm. and they, and she had to work with him. And I understood that she was on the board and it just highlights so many things just by asking that one basic question Right. that she was so impressed and probably landed me the job altogether. So think about some of the things you might be asked and try to pull together your own question that either extends off of that or highlights that shows that you know more than maybe what the web page says about that company. Right, and what the average uh, person would know about it, right? And, and the problem is, is that they're interviewing maybe 10 or so candidates or they're interviewing, you know, five law students from five different universities, mm -hmm. five different law schools that all come to the table with relatively the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think knowing that kind of stuff definitely helped me land my summer job because I asked a question about like these scores that they had and this was like kind of this little nuanced thing I had just seen it come up and they were extremely impressed that I even knew what I was talking about and when I asked I was like so what really do these kind of represent or what are the what are we being scored on necessarily and then they were extremely impressed with that I think because it was like oh so she didn't just go on and say about oh, us yeah x and x firm this is the kind of work we do yeah um and didn't we look at that together yeah yeah you prepped me for that interview completely and i took a bunch of notes on it and so that's another thing too i encourage everyone to take notes going into the inter interview and i don't think that makes you look any different especially if it's like an in-person in interview like having notes and stuff like that i think that's more so just showing how prepared you are for the interview and bringing you know your your resume and cover letter etc whatever is required um, oh that that makes me think of something as well in this same interview the mm -hmm. one that i was just referencing i started so as i was preparing for that interview i had three pages of notes of this whole company again this was me fresh out of school i was so nervous i was so excited i was like who is this young guy you know like <laughs> who am i going to be three pages of notes consolidated down to two rough and then I don't like to go in flipping pages or anything. It right, just looks a little weird. Right. So you have to kind of condense everything to one page. Yeah, one page notes. So in, in the top right corner, whatever schedule I get in the email saying, okay, you're scheduled to be with so-and-so for 30, so-and-so for 10, so-and-so for 10, in that order, hopefully we get you out by three, whatever. I kept in the top right of my legal pad, I kept the order of people Mm. that I was supposed to be interviewing with because internally they don't know. They just know that they're supposed to show up and then they leave and get on with their day. So the, you'll notice in interviews, they often end with, and I'll go check who you're supposed to get with next. But I already had it on the corner of my mm. page. And I was like, um, I think I'm supposed to meet with Miss so-and-so after you. And she looked at my page. She saw how organized the notes were. And she was really impressed. And, I, I, and it's just those little intangible things Again, that's not you having all the answers. That's just you showing who you are in right. a way. Again, yeah. building that confidence. You know what's coming next. <laughs> she doesn't need to know. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely coming in there with, yeah, like we've been saying this whole time, just being over prepared, essentially. Like having everything organized down to the detail and being able to sift out what you need to do and, and what you need to get out of the inter interview to really kind of do well. And I think another thing too, and I, I heard this, um, I went to a, uh, a 
it was kind of like a video call, Zoom or Google Meet or something for um, young lawyers. And it was uh, by this guy, and I, I can't remember his name right now, but he told us that a really great way to really show kind of the initiative and um, to just really show like that you're well organized and stuff like that was that you should, number one, always follow up. And Absolutely. a huge tip on that is a handwritten thank you note. Mm. sending that to you know the firm's location or even you know wherever you're interviewing um i've heard that that has always been received extremely well uh that's just courtesy it's it's being a little bit that's you know idea. more professional um but also being kind of personable um but you know if you if you can't do the handwritten no i definitely think the emails in this was something that I think really, really helped is I met um, a lawyer from a firm one time. We had a brief conversation for like maybe 10 minutes or less. Um, he probably did not know my name, probably did not remember anything, but I took his card and then two days later, I emailed him and I said, hey, I just wanted to say thank you for the brief conversation. I was the one, because this was at a, a, an event with the bar, my state bar, for young lawyers, like, you know, kind of up-and-coming lawyers, um, people, law students, essentially. And it was hundreds of, mm. you know, there was hundreds of law students in attendance who probably came by his table and talked to him for Hun the same amount of Hundreds of law students at the bar? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, at this, um, at the state it was it was held at the state bar um actually their headquarters but so they put on this event so there was hundreds of students that came through but i specifically pointed out a situation like i was like hey i was the one who did xyz and asked you about this question and then in his brain he's probably like oh yeah i remember that question i actually remember what i answered to that question that's awesome yeah in that really like that rung a bell. And then he emails back because I also said like, you know, I, I appreciated that you explained this to me and I put his exact answer in there. I just remembered it. I didn't write it down, nothing like that. But this was a place I was really interested in. Bankruptcy was what I was really interested in. This was a bankruptcy firm. So I was like, there you go. He was a bankruptcy attorney. Mm -hmm. There you go. So, you know, hold on to the tidbits of information you get along the way that are really important to you and listen like be an active listener and remember it so that you can use it to to your advantage later in an email or in a note and then the email i got back from him was do you have a summer job yet mm. and i was like Absolutely. well no i actually don't and then that you know led to being interviewed by the four um attorneys and you know one of the partners that actually led to me getting the internship there for the summer absolutely that that active listening is so key because like like you're saying, that basically landed you the job or at least a foot in the door and then right. you closed the deal. Right. But there's so much to that active listening because you develop, even in the interview itself, you can develop a question right. that you really honestly want to know or, you know, if you kind of keep in your back pocket, like, I've read about some of that. Can you explain it here? Mm -hmm. More of that, they'll just know, okay, pulling it again from some of that information that you have that you wanted to share in the interview. And they're interested because they're sharing it all directly here anyway. Like that's something you're going to be involved with. 
it just kind of brings the two lines together very very nicely how about this have you have you ever been like clobbered over the head with something in an interview that just like really caught you off guard or anything mm -hmm. like that because um, i think it will happen i definitely think it happens i don't necessarily know if i was ever really i would say and i don't know if this is really a tactic that should be used but if there was a question that i really could not come up with an answer like say they did ask me something that was like a little bit harder uh for me to kind of really come up with an answer or like if i just didn't have enough time to think on my feet and i didn't want to be kind of stammering and saying um or you know thinking um which i definitely think before I get into this, I definitely think taking a moment and like reflecting is a good thing. Don't just answer it straight off the bat. Like, yeah. you know, you've already had these questions written down and answered them or something, but right. like, you know, kind of, if you really don't know, know what you're, you want to say, or, you know, how you want to get it out, definitely take a moment, take a breath. Um, I don't think they're going to see anything wrong with that. I think if you make a collective response after that, it'll show that you, you know, you, can do that and that's actually a skill that they're probably looking for um but i will say that i have sometimes and not not very common but if there's something i really like kind of don't understand i'll just be like you know can you kind of rephrase that or can you give me yeah kind absolutely. of some more background of what what you're asking or something like that or i'll just kind of like say what i think they were asking i'll give a response to that and then if that's wrong i kind of just like Give them something else to really kind of ask me, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I, it's telling how you deal with those yeah. questions. Because sometimes there, there will be companies, and I think it's probably more true in a field like that, where you are going to encounter something that's going to throw you off or that you're not comfortable talking about and speaking about just yet. So in, in a sense, you can kind of expect that, not to make you more anxious about the interviewing process. It's tough, but what... I can say is how you, even if you do fumble, how you get back up and right. kind of how you, again, with some confidence say, well, honestly, I'm not really sure what you mean by that. Is it regarding this or that, you know, comfortable transitions, not, don't stutter. Don't, yeah. don't use the filler words, the ums, the varies. The stammering, the, yeah. Yeah. Just take it slow. And if you really, truly don't understand it, just say it just ask there's nothing wrong again because they're not expecting you to know everything about the job they're just trying to see who you are mm -hmm. do we see this person as a piece to the puzzle yeah for reliable, the mission that we're right? trying to accomplish here yeah i definitely think um something else to add is in addition to kind of what we just talked about previously with uh, how to really like make an imprint on someone you're just meeting to actually land an interview later on. In addition to like kind of the follow-up and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I also watched uh, some advice on this and it was telling us that we should have a card no matter what. Even if you do not have a job, even if you, you know, are in between jobs, even if you're a student, it does not matter. You can put your name on there. You can put your email address. You can put your phone number. Um, and they are like maybe $20 to print a hundred of them. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can put all those things and all this information on there. And so that way, if you really want someone to remember you after that, they're more likely to remember you based on them taking your card and putting it in their wallet. That means they have to see that card every time they open their wallet or every time they open their purse. 
they have to see it and then they have to either take it out to get rid of it if mm. that's what they want to do Exposure. or they have to take it out and then it exposes them to hmm, oh yeah that was a student that was you know well prepared gave me a card now i remember them then they link that card to your face and then suddenly they're reaching out to that email on the card or that phone number on the card or even whatever social media linkedin if you want to put it on there um you have just a little bit more real estate in their mind right absolutely so what else do you think it's tough honestly this is what i'll say it can be arduous and you can honestly get discouraged it's easy when i going back i don't know why but going back to when i first graduated i kept a tracker i made sure i did at least one job application every day which does not nearly mean one uh interview every day right. or i say you do i by the time i got a job i had 34 job applications wow. in that's so crazy and the funny thing about it was i got the first job that i applied to <laughs> and they went on a hiring freeze that's the only reason i kept going for a month and then they came back around after that month asked me if i wanted to interview <laughs> And I said, yes. So it was really 30, you know, 33 failures <laughs> and then maybe one or two interviews in there. But don't be discouraged. Just you have to continue to stay the course because I, another thing that I can promise you from the outside looking in or from the inside looking out, I guess you could say, is that you're more concerned about it than they are. Right. They are working every day and not every day do they have an interview for a position. So you are kind of throwing a wrench and whoever you're interviewing is with every day now don't look at it like you're a wrench and they're looking at look at it like i'm here to solve a problem for you right and, and keep that Felt attitude position, yeah. but they're they're going to be late to the interview because they just got out of a meeting they're going to have to run early because they got a phone call it's not insulting it has nothing personal to do with you right it's just the nature of we have work to do whether you're here or not so don't get discouraged when it takes two or three days to hear back. Don't be discouraged when you, you don't know if you're getting into the next round. You have to stay the, the course. Also, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. Continue to continue to apply. Yeah. Continue to get a foot in the door, like you were saying. Going to these events, having the conversations in person is essentially what landed you the interview. Just like you were saying, the exposure is very, very valuable. Right. And I think 30, honestly, is like a comparable number. Like, I think coming out of law school, I've heard multiple people say that they've done 30 plus applications. Oh, yeah. Um, to jobs because law school. Well, if you think about it this way, every attorney graduates of that year at the same time. Right. Unless it's an attorney that's switching, you know, positions or switching states or something like that they're not getting applications until about the time that students are graduating. Right. You know, these firms are not really exposed to a lot of that unless once again, someone's changing career or changing position mm -hmm. or changing firms, <clears throat> which is actually less common because most attorneys actually stay at their firm for like multiple years. Mm -hmm. I think the average is like seven years or something like that. So that's a pretty long time. So there, this is not new. This, I mean, and this is not normal, like getting the, um, job applications all year right essentially but then they get them and here we go in every single you know every single school every single university is graduating at the same time so then they get a flood of applications mm -hmm. all in the same state right and people who want to go to these really really big corporate firms right of course they're getting hundreds of applications i'm sure Absolutely. and so we have to 
we have to dial that in. And so yeah. doing the 30 plus applications is a good thing. You're exposing yourself to more firms and you're going to find a firm out there that nobody applied to maybe, yeah. or you're going to find a firm out there that had a hundred applications, but yours stood out, you get the interview, et cetera. Absolutely. In the sense of volume, it's absolutely expected. Sometimes you'll hear three times that a hundred applications, things right. like that. Again, don't get discouraged. But what I will say is put yourself in the shoes of the people, you know, in HR, if it's a big enough place for an HR or whoever's ahead of the firm or, or whatever works or whatever is applicable rather. Because one thing that I'm seeing a lot more and as my team interviews for new people to fill positions and I've worked with other teams throughout the companies I've worked in, if you're getting hundreds of applications, each, you can guarantee that each of those applications has one resume, preferably one page. I, I'm a firm believer in a one page resume. Absolutely, yeah. Secondly, a cover letter should also be one page. Yeah. So they're going through 100 applications that has one cover letter and one page uh, resume. Do something that will help you stand out. A letter of recommendation, those are all but gone. I mean, we got those for college, I think, back in the day. But mm -hmm. after that, yeah. especially if you... If, I don't even think if, you need them for law school anymore, yeah. really. Exactly. I'm not sure, but I was just having a conversation with the treasurer at my company. And she said, one of the things that I'm looking for, because apparently it's an extinct thing, is a letter of recommendation. <laughs> right. Because everybody has accountant experience. You know, everybody has A, B, and C. They're familiar with these right. programs. They're familiar with this. I, I guess in, in your situation, maybe, you know, this software, this legal software you know right. whatever it is I'm not, I'm not a lawyer but um <laughs> that will help you stand out if there's any certifications you got add right. those Absolutely. you always have that opportunity to add additional documents and i and i know nobody does because I'm, I'm told from several people that it doesn't happen so find something that can help you stand out letter recommendation from an old boss a professor yeah that um, would be any anybody yeah that would be really good i feel like that would really set you apart and even word of mouth recommendation like 100%. if you have someone who you know knows another person you're really looking to get into that even that type of law like you know just in the general you really want to go into criminal law and you are working at a firm that maybe does Get you a criminal. Know, so like you. No, I'm no, if you're working at a firm that maybe does civil work, but they know some criminal law attorney, you Absolutely. know, defense attorney in so and so uh, place, so and so county, or whatever it might be, mm -hmm. ask them. Be like, hey, you know, this isn't what I want to do long term here at this firm, but you know, if you if you could get me in connection with that person you know that does, you know, do criminal law, that's really where my heart is set, etc. Um, they'll probably do it and then they'll give them a call. And then that person says, Hey, you know, I'm going to send over, uh, you know, Summer's, uh, resume today and her cover letter to you. You know, this is really where her heart is set. So if you would just consider it, mm -hmm. that's a word of mouth. Like that also is gone nowadays. I feel like yeah, everything is so online, but yeah, be resourceful. Even your professors, they know tons of lawyers, like go to your professors, tell them, you know, that if you're struggling to find a job or, or just struggling to even just figure out like where you want to go or what what kind of law you want to do to get those interviews they can help you they can put in a good word with you you know yeah that that is going to be 10 times more 
valuable than anything they teach you in that class. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And anything you put on your resume or your cover letter. Oh, absolutely. So the letter, the letter of recommendation, that's like a great tip, honestly. Like there's there's definitely levels to it. I mean, your yeah. resume isn't always going to do it for you in the sense that if you're right. not top of the class 4.0, right. all of the extracurriculars, you need to find a creative way. And don't get me wrong, that's the average person, right? No, there's only one valedictorian, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody else needs to find a creative vein or or um, kind of niche that they can play to get them in the position of the interview and and play that same card in the interview itself. This is who I am. Right. And be confident in who you are, you know. They don't want you don't want them to hire someone who's not you. Right. In other words, interviewing you, you pretend to be someone who bends, you know, you love exactly what the uh, interviewer loves. You guys are going to get along cuz and you're going to find yourself going home researching a topic you think is stupid just to uh be kind to someone in the interview. Don't don't do that. You'd rather have it wait, have it not work out initially, but be an authentic you. Mm-hmm. I think especially um, the younger we are, the more willing we are to kind of bend yeah. who we are yeah. in an interview to come off as likable. Mm-hmm. But it ain't worth it. It ain't worth This is where you're going to spend the next however many years, however many hours, right. a week. You, you want to like it and you want to feel authentic about it. Right. And you know what else I'm kind of thinking about right now is just like kind of the negotiation aspect of an interview. Mm-hmm. I think what hurts us as interviewees, I guess, right? We're not interviewers, but yeah. <laughs> as interviewees, as someone going into it is we think we are at such a disadvantage. Yeah. Like we need them way more than they need us. Right. We're a we're a first level coming out of law school associate attorney maybe not even whatever the case might be we're like we need this job you know i need to i need to start making money i need to pass the bar and get into a really good firm so i can have a you know foundation Mm -hmm. but i think going into it with that mindset puts us at a disadvantage of course because we're going into it thinking that our bargaining power is way less than it really is Mm -hmm. and the thing is is that we are new we're fresh maybe we don't know everything but we're willing to learn we can be molded like we are you know malleable or whatever like malleable yeah yeah like we are we can be molded we can we can learn the nitty-gritty of the firm we can you know see the way they want their new attorneys to do things the research the the writing we're also young and we can follow templates and we're good with technology and we're we're gonna last much longer than you know whatever they you know if they're all their attorneys are in their uppers and and all these other things Mm -hmm. so we have some advantages there Mm -hmm. and we're coming out of good you know good law schools where maybe we're coming out top of the class all these things maybe we have multiple offers from other people let them know those things yeah it's not a bad thing to bring that up in an interview let them know how much you're looking to earn let them know how much you know whether you want this as even for like law students right now do you want this as an external intern are you are you trying to make money from it are you trying to do this are you trying to do that Mm -hmm. you need to put these things on the table because going in there and thinking that you can't bring it up you should just stay silent and keep that from them just because you really need that job 
puts you at a disadvantage automatically before you even step foot in there. I completely agree. I think it all comes with a risk assessment as far as where you are in your career. Right. Largely, when you're coming out of high, um, not high school, you guys are in law school. When you come out of law school, you don't have anything to lose. Really, yeah. you need a job, but you don't have one right now. So it's not, like, <laughs> right. it's not like you're going to lose one. And it's not like you lost one previously. Exactly. You know, like you don't have any bad record per se. Like it's not like you're going in there like, oh yeah, I was fired from so-and-so job. I really need this. Exactly. So do that risk assessment and say, okay, this is, I looked at the average, obviously, again, in your basic research, you're going to look at it, the average of what the pay is and you're part of the country for that type of law, et cetera, et cetera. Once you have a, a number, and I firmly reveal that, or I firmly feel that a number will come to mind eventually. Once you've done enough research, once you get it, once you see how involved, once you see how many other people you're working with, smaller firm, larger firm, you'll get a number in your head. And if you even if you get an offer, you have to remember that you have nothing less to lose. I mean, nothing more to lose. So consider holding on. Consider saying, like, like with some confidence, you know, um, thank you very. Uh, you always thank someone who offers you anything, like right. that, whether it's a cup of coffee or a hundred thousand dollar job a year. The focus sh should be on. We can mutually come up with something to help each other you're you know first year you have less bargaining power but right. year five then you start to know who you are and right. and what you bring to a company so once you do that risk assessment and you see don't be afraid to ask for more I, and, and again that doesn't affect as much as you think it is right. i i really used to think it would affect everything that i did with that company and they're going to look at me like I'm just in it for money and everything. But in fact, every time I ask, which I believe in my career has only been one time where I asked for more than I was offered. And I gave a very honest statement. I said I was going to lose these benefits and I would yeah. kind of equate them to roughly five more thousand a year. And they Absolutely. said, no problem. And they said, no problem. You think they're going to be like, oh, no, we can't five thousand dollars. You know, what's five thousand against a hundred thousand? You know, relative percentage is very low. So again, risk assessment, understand probably what you're worth at that time. Right. And um, in worth, not just in money as well. Absolutely. And there's so much more that we could say about this. And maybe we'll have another episode because I think yeah. um, arguing or not arguing, but um, going back and forth. Uh, what is that word? Shoot. Negotiating is key. Maybe we'll talk about it soon. Yeah, definitely. Um, so stay tuned for some more on this. I think next we're going to go into just some key things for your cover letters and your resumes. Um, definitely. Maybe like we'll do it like a sort of little like workshop thing or something like that. So we really look forward to uh, having you guys listen in on that. So stay tuned and some more exciting things are coming up for Legally Blondish. So as always, this is your host, Summer Prime, and her husband, Eric Arena. If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you like, comment, subscribe, and save this episode. Let us know how we're doing and leave a review. 
If you feel compelled to tell us how much you love us, please do so. Otherwise, we hope to see you on our Instagram at legally.blondish.